Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? High Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. God damn it. Fantastic guest today. Olaimi Olaren is on the show. YouTube host. Mm-hmm. Illuminati is her show on YouTube. It's great. I've been on it. She's going to be here joining us. She's a movement lawyer, defense attorney, uh, to talk about the Cassie and Diddy situation. I'm excited to hear her perspective. Two. So amazing. So amazing. Um, pleasantries are going to be a little shorter this time because there is a shit ton of news. Is there? There's a lot. There's a lot going on. You don't know. You don't know what's happening right now. I definitely know what's happening right now. I thought we have a few big topics. Big topics. Right? Not a whole lot of topics, but like big issues to big get into. Big topics. Big issues. Um, do you feel the Baton Rouge spirit for me since I was... You went there. Since I was there this weekend? You went to LSU game. Where are you from? What's the area? Where you Gardeer. From? Oh. So the state, the stadium is here. Mm-hmm. Right, it's off Nicholson Drive. Mm-hmm. If you to go on Nicholson Drive, right, the 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 big street. So the stadium's here, and there's that big street, and across the street, there's like the baseball stadium and all of that stuff. That's Nicholson Drive. If you to go south down Nicholson Drive, probably with no traffic for about fifteen or twenty minutes. Oh, that's far. Yeah, for but, Baton Rouge, right? Yeah, I like, mean, maybe it's not that big. Uh, probably not twenty minutes. I'd say 10, 15 minutes. Okay. 10, 15 minutes from. From Nicholson Drive all the way down, uh, that you would get to Gardier Lane. You make a left. That's where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. And then also, well, I'm from two places. I'm from Gardier Lane, and I'm also from South Baton Rouge, the bottom. The bottoms. I saw those. The bottom. That's right around the corner they from the stadium. They went to a stadium. club over there. Who went to a club over there? I didn't go. Who went? Justin and Oh, them. they went to Splash. They, they went to Splash. They went to, it's a gay club over there. Yeah, they went to Splash. Splash. Let me say this. Splash is not necessarily in the bottom. It's y'all have in, the bottom and y'all have Fruit Town because they couldn't decide which one to go to. Fruit Town. Yeah, you got bottom. You got Fruit Town. Splash is, Splash is off Nicholson as well. Oh, no, it's off, off Highland. Splash is off Highland. So you, you go over there, you go to Splash, but no one would say that Splash is in the bottom. I just saw it's the map Jason that the they were showing me. I was like, oh, okay. How was Splash last night? It was fun. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. I went with the Raising Cane's folks. Yeah, you liked it. And, um... I mean, it was Georgia State. Not really a competitive game, but just like they were scoring though. Experience, yeah. Sucks. They, they scored quickly for a second. Yeah, the first half, we were like, "What's woo, what's woo, happening there?" Whoa, Tigers! But it's just I love football and college football at that, and it's just fun to see the tailgating experience. And we walked. Um, actually, we did not walk to the stadium. We ended up driving, but we walked around, saw the campus. It's great. Yeah. What you think fun. about the What you think about the tailgating experience in Baton Rouge? So it was smaller. I've been before because oh, okay. remember I told you I dated that guy from Zachary. So I've yeah. been to the tailgating experience. Oh yeah, but Georgia State, not as many people came. Not out. nearly as many people. It was good. In and out, super quick. Yeah. Went to Rafino's. Oh yeah, Rafino's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had went, went to Fred's with the kids party. I went to Fred. How come, man? Joy told me. Shout out Joy Taylor because Joy went to Baton Rouge. How are they getting y'all to go to Fred's? How how do they get Joy? So, Joy went to I'm gonna text Joy about Fred. So I went to Fred's twice. Joy, y'all are fucking nuts. Joy goes to Baton Rouge. Joy's nephew plays for right, LSU. right, Mason. Um, Joy goes to Baton Rouge and she goes to the game and she goes, Van, how come you didn't tell me about Fred's? I'm like, what the fuck are you doing in Fred's? Well, who was there? Who was performing? I'm not sure who was performing. Because the, the, the week before, Shaq DJ. 
Shaq DJs at Fred's a couple of times. Yeah, okay. Shaq be there. Like, this I mean, time we saw Flage rap. Oh, okay. Nice. She rapped. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was fun. Right. She's very good. For, but this is my thing. I'm not saying that Fred's is whack. I'm just saying that Fred's is for the children. Well, we were in a section. Okay. We were, but like there was, we were cl- the oldest people. I mean, it's like me and you know Miss Graves and all her friends and be, being Justin and all. His and you guys friends. in Thailand at fucking. But then, but here's Fred's. the thing. I love we, it. So the first night it was Fred's, and that's when Flage performed. Uh huh. So that was cool. And we stayed in the section. But the next day we ventured off. It was Parish County Line. It was like a live country cover band that was performing, which actually was was really good. I was like, oh, I don't know how this is. This was at Fred's? It was at Fred's. It was really good. But then we, I was like, I want to go see what's outside of it because I didn't get to see it the first night. So we walked through the crowd. And then you go outside. And I was like, is that Sexy Red playing? It's a whole nut. It's a club. Yeah, yeah. So there's the live stage. Yeah. Then and then there's. So, right. But I didn't see so that Fred's the first So Fred's expanded. Because when I was, when we, we were going to Fred's, it wasn't the two sides. Fred's is expanded. Oh, yeah. So the, there's a stage and there's a tent. And that's where we're the first night. And that's where there's the performance. Then we ventured out to the club. And we just stayed till it closed yeah, at Fred's. Right. It was a good time. We were with Fred, whose name is not Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out it, was, with him. it was a lot of fun. It was great. With the college kids, I felt young. You like to get out there. Hey, it's me, Auntie Rachel. Are you Auntie yet or are you cousin? Are you Auntie Rachel? Or you I, cousin think Rachel? Auntie. I, I think I'm Auntie. I think I'm Auntie. I think you might be cousin. They thought I was in my 20s, but I thought, but I, I felt like Auntie. Yeah. Does Fred, I still old. Have, does Fred still have that little guy outside that shows you how you shouldn't dress? Little black guy? He came in through the backside. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> it, so outside, I that's saying a lot. So <laughs> outside of Fred's, there used to be, and I'm, you know, I won't be visiting Fred's next next week, so I don't give a fuck. But outside, outside of Fred's, there used to be this little picture. And the picture was of how you shouldn't dress to get inside of Fred's. And what did it look like? It, it was a guy, and he had a backwards cap on, and he had a white T-shirt on, and he had a chain on, and he had baggy pants on. I can't remember whether or not the little cartoon was black or not. I hope not. But um, hold on. Let me call. It already implies enough. But let me just tell you, there were people dressed just like that inside. It's it's probably changed now. This was. I mean, they were playing straight sexy red in there. No, no, no. I'm not saying they always. Friends is always a place that we went. But we used to kind of, you know, we used to be like a little bit. In protests with Fred's as well. Let me call Gino real quick and see if Gino remembers. Gino. Please leave your message. Damn. All right, let me go. <laughs> let me. Anyway, fuck it. Who cares? I don't think I, I'm not sure whether or not the guy was the little guy was black or not, but obviously he was but meant it to was implied. represent. <laughs> we don't play no boogie woogie. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's just spatting root. All right. Lots of news. Lots of news. I'm glad you got to enjoy Baton Rouge. I did. Okay. I'm feeling a little wonky. I went up on my Manjaro. Oh, you! Went, I didn't know you were still doing it. Still doing it. Still dropping the LBs. I went up on the Manjaro, so it's a little wonky right now. Who knows if I'll have to run out of here. Shout out to everybody on. It the, makes you sick. It, it's, it's, uh, it runs through you. Yeah, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Obviously, you guys know what the big deal of the day is. It's on the other side of this break. It is... Cassie and Diddy with a guess. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. 
And they're amazing. Made with shea butter and black dermatologists approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. Deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up Mm -hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant off the day. <laughs> maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smell good. All yeah. Day. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front-end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. You guys, lots to unpack from this weekend, this past week, the story of Diddy and Cassie, Cassie and Diddy. Everyone knows now there was a bombshell lawsuit filed by Cassie that alleged all kinds of terrible things. Things from uh, sex trafficking to forcible rape uh, to being plied with drugs to physical abuse. Uh, A whole litany of terrible, terrible things Cassie alleged in a lawsuit that I think was filed on Thursday, okay, just after we had uh, recorded here on Highland, which is why we didn't have it in the show for Friday. Um, I think most people woke up Friday or, depending on what time you get up, or Friday were super surprised to see that that lawsuit, which had been filed on Thursday, was already settled. Less than 24 hours after it was made public, it was settled. Now, just so everybody knows, the allegations that were inside of the lawsuit, there was also an allegation that Cassie was trying to shake Diddy down for money, um, which Cassie's people came back and said, hey, that's not the case. We had actually been offered money by him not to go forward with the lawsuit, which apparently they couldn't come to a number. She filed the lawsuit. It was then settled. Okay, a lot to unpack here. And to help us do it is another legal eagle. You know, of course, Rachel is a legal eagle. We got two lawyers right here and a nigga. That could be the name of our podcast. <laughs> two lawyers and a nigga. Olami Olaren is joining us today. She is so fucking smart. <laughs> okay, like you're just ridiculously smart. If you're not watching her on YouTube, you need to be watching her. I've been on the channel. Yes. Uh, Illuminati. I've been on there. I've also watched her Eric Adams doc, which 
<laughs> you gonna get kicked out of New York. Um, yeah. but, but she, but she is a movement lawyer. She's an activist. She's an amazing host, and she's uh, on the show with us today. I guess my first question to you. Thank you for joining us on Higher Learning. My first question is: Obviously, when this comes out, a lot of people go, "Hey, this is a settlement." If you really wanted justice, oh, by the way, I should say this before we get into this. Ola did an amazing, amazing talk with Mark Lamont Hill. And I really want everybody to go subscribe and listen to what Mark Lamont Hill is doing on YouTube. It is fantastic right now. He's just getting started, but he's already hit his stride. I saw her on that and I wanted to have her on higher learning, but I'm encouraging everyone to go listen to her conversation with Mark um, on YouTube as well. All right. A lot of people, when they heard about this settlement, they go, hey, this isn't justice. This is money. You've been very strong in criticizing that purview. Why is it so important for people to understand the difference between a civil suit and the difference between um, legal charges? I, I think there's so much to unpack there, right? Because even if we were talking about the criminal law, even if this was a conversation about the criminal law, I would want to push back on what the idea of justice is okay. and why only in these kinds of instances when there is a woman claiming abuse does suddenly the Black community believe justice is tantamount to the criminal system because we don't believe that no other time of the year. So that's the first thing. But then second, this is a civil suit. Any civil lawsuit that is filed, which you are looking for is monetary damages. That is what a civil suit is. And I also think it's interesting that we don't say that in any other regard. Anytime if somebody if somebody is killed by the police, their family sue. We don't say that it's any less serious or their family doesn't want justice because they sued for money. Right. When OJ is when when. When uh, the the woman who OJ was acquitted of killing, when her family turned around and sued OJ, we did not say, oh, they don't want justice. Why are they pursuing those charges? When you get in a car accident, you have an accident and then you go and sue. Nobody says, oh, you don't want justice. So why is it that suddenly when it comes to a woman being abused, suddenly we say, oh, you're just looking for money. And I also think it's interesting on the heels of the Meg Thee Stallion stuff who did pursue criminal charges and not civil charges. And there we said, oh, you're trying to throw a black man in jail. Right. I think we've seen in three different situations play out in recent discourse that show that this is just us moving the goalposts, right? Because we had the Sukiana situation when all she wanted is an apology. And we said on social media and they said, oh, you're trying to ruin him. Why are you trying to ruin him? This is a young brother. Why are you doing this in the court of public opinion? We had the Meg Thee Stallion pursue it criminally. And we said, why are you trying to throw a black man in jail? And now you see Cassie try to do something privately. Originally, they say it's a shakedown. Then she goes and files a civil lawsuit immediately. And what a civil lawsuit does is when you file a civil lawsuit, you're saying, I'm alleging that you did something to me and that I can go to trial and prove that and you will have to pay me monetary damages. So if somebody files a civil lawsuit accusing you of all these heinous things, a party, by the way, that has more money, more resources and more ability to fight that case in the court decides the immediately the next day, instead of us going to court and having the depositions and the hearings and the public records. I am going to give you the money now. That is the outcome you would be getting in a civil suit. So where is the justice? Unless we believe that justice is having her put her business and her trauma for all of our disposal to pick apart and determine what we think and have a court mirror back the sentiments of what she's already experienced. So that's my answer there. Mm. Oh, I thought you can you oh, follow one, up. One follow up. I, I get it. I think what one what people would say was, um, and all these are allegations. Everyone should know all of these are allegations. I think what people, and I just would ask you this to see how you feel about it. What people would say was what they really want is some sort of clarity on whether or not Puff is the guy that the suit alleges him to be. 
And Will you believe it? What happened? Would the people who want that clarity, who say they need that clarity from the lawsuit, would they believe that? The question I'm asking you is, is there any way that through deposition or through trial that that would be made more clear? No, I don't. I don't believe so. I mean, okay. first of all, a jury, like say this goes to civil court and you have a jury, it's going to be a handful of the same people that's in our larger society making their determinations, right? Determining mm-hmm. whether or not they believe what Cassie's saying or they believe what Diddy is saying didn't happen. That's ultimately the same concept of what we have now, right? And I don't believe that it's going to make that any clearer to the public because the same people who are going to say that they don't believe it now that she's just saying it or that she has nefarious or ulterior motives are going to say it then because again we always have this same we had the same uh the same song and dance with mag right for two Mm. years and they said wait till trial wait till trial wait till trial we're gonna see what the courts say we're gonna see what the courts say we're gonna see what the courts say and the court said yeah, guilty on all charges. And, and they said, said, fuck it, we don't free to her anyway. <laughs> it's, a, it's a setup. It's right. a setup. He was framed. Like, so <laughs> it's just goalpost shifting. But but if they did have go forward, if they didn't settle and they had depositions or even if it did go to trial, there would be more details that would come out. There would be testimony that would come out, which, to your point, it would matter because the people who are seeking for clarity based off of the information we have so far, people who just don't want to accept what it, what the details that are in the suit uh, or they already have their mind made up. But a lot of people are talking about the quickness of the settlement. What does that say to you that this settlement happened so quickly um, in your experience? What what do you think that that says? I don't know a single other lawyer and I know thousands of lawyers. I don't know a single other lawyer who's seen a suit settle the next day. Maybe mm-hmm. you have, Rachel, but no. I've, yeah, I've never seen that happen the next day. OK, so and again, if somebody was saying something really heinous, so let's say I am. By, by Diddy's comparison, by comparison of money, right? Cap Cassie is a broke, is broke by comparison to Diddy money, right? right? So if I'm Diddy, if I am accused of doing sex trafficking, rape, plying you with drugs, all these heinous, heinous allegations, and that is in no way true. And you say, you put that out, that's already in the court of the public opinion. So we are discussing that and that idea of me. If that is not true, and I who have more resources, more money, all of this can combat that at trial, then I'm combating at that, I'm combating that at trial, not immediately immediately giving you the money and avoiding depositions and hearings in a single day in court. I feel like I feel we don't even need legal expertise to figure out what our common sense tells us there. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. How do you feel like people should feel about from your perspective, what you just said, how do you feel like people should feel about Puff right now? Because what really happens is we'll talk about this. What we're, we're going to discuss a little bit more. What what really people want to know is the answer to that question. They want to know how they should feel about it, right? And they 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 want clarity. Oh, look, people want it given to them. They want somebody to say guilt or innocence. They want someone to say good or bad. They want someone to say yes or no, up or down. And, you know, Aubrey O'Day talked about this, and she said money over accountability once I'm again. i on her. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> she needs to hush. She right. needs to. She, she said, pursue it yourself, Miss Mamas. Okay. If you're not going to do it yourself, you don't seem to be taking that route, right? And the minute a, a woman independently goes to pursue a legal route herself to deal with justice about her own trauma, you to try to co opt it, make it about yourself. And then when she doesn't do what you want to happen, she doesn't have her business play out in the, pub, the court of public opinion, which Aubrey has not made it her job. She, Aubrey is not sitting there exposing a 35 document of her trauma. She's not exposing her trauma to the court to be picked apart. But the minute this woman doesn't want to do it, then you come running your mouth. Either you decide to go open your mouth and tell your story and be prepared to deal with that and the backlash and the kind of treatment, or you offer solidarity to other women who are able to do it and be quiet. But this this right here, she ain't doing nothing but just seeming like she wants some kind of attention. If there's somebody we need to have a conversation about attention, it's, it's Aubrey, because based on how she's acted after the fact because that's not that's not what you do if you are somebody who has been who has accused diddy of abuse or saying that diddy has exploited y'all or treated you some kind of way and this is the experience and he is this big force that you've not been able to challenge if you see a woman go and go and challenge him and immediately be met with all kind of criticism backlash her life picked apart why is your immediate action to then go jump on that m- money not accountability what are you even talking about what does the court have to do with accountability it's a civil suit it was always going to be about money what are we talking about like all this and this is what and I'm one I'm wondering are you surprised by the reactions that you've seen because it it hasn't just been from Aubrey but yeah, two no. like all abuse cases are not the same neither are their victims why do we constantly see the court of a public opinion say otherwise why do they always try to treat it like it's the same so I'm not surprised about the reaction and I for exactly what your second question is, is that they treat it like it's the same that we always see this. I said the minute it happened, I said we are going to see what we always see anytime a woman accuses somebody of abuse. We see a swell of support, either not just from fans and people in the audience, people who weren't even fans of them in the industry in and of itself, you know, cover for them. And I said, it's going to be extreme in the case of Diddy because Diddy is a powerful figure, like him or not, or whatever it is. Diddy is not somebody that people can easily challenge. So I expected to see that um, kind of backlash or see people wanting to be quiet. I think I think what's interesting in the Diddy situation is that there are more people, I think, wanting to be quiet in terms of if you look at celebrities or news outlets or blogs that do this kind of coverage than it is jumping out to defend him. And I think that's really telling that you don't see as many people willing to say, hey, I've known Diddy for 20 years and he would never do something <laughs> like that. Would you instead people be like, let's not talk about this. And then just a few people a few people willing to jump out and like, you know, the slim, the, the slim thugs and the PETA guns and them and people who really, really the should do their squad. best not to talk. They should be quiet. Yeah. They well, should see, be quiet. Well, I'll point. say this, though. You can't say that, though. You can't say, hey, I've known Diddy for 20 years and he would never do that. When, once you do that, you will be flayed on the, right. o- the only recourse you have, even if there's somebody out here out there who straight up does not believe that that ever could happen. They've only been on around Puff on his great days or whatever. You really couldn't say that. The only right. either you either you come down strictly against what happens and say I believe everything or you don't say anything. There's really and that's why people kind of they want to know, they want the legal system to tell them what to say. They want to have some certainty to be able to back it up. And I think some people are frustrated with the, the ambiguity of a settlement. But they I, don't. Sorry. I mean, to, just, sorry, to, just to what you just said, bringing up the Meg, uh, Meg the Stallion and Tory Lanez, the court said guilty and you still had people like all the details were there. It was very obvious without having any legal knowledge. 
what was it in that case? The facts were there. He's found guilty, and people still say otherwise. So well, I don't know I, if I, I necessarily. Well, what agree I'm saying with is, that. we're talking about the number of people, right? And so this is what mm-hmm. I would say: the number of people that obviously there are going to be people in the middle of uh, or on the the edges of the Tory Lanez thing, far, far, far in the in the Tory camp. But I think there were a lot of people, prominent people, radio people, TV people, whatever, that was like, "Hey, let's just wait to see what the court says, and whatever the court says, let's just wait to see how it plays out, and then whatever, however it plays out, it's whatever." The free Tory people, it wouldn't have mattered if they would have caught him with blood all over himself, singing about shooting her or whatever. And the people on the other side, it would, wouldn't have been the same thing, no matter what the court had said. If Tory would have somehow beat it, then there still would have been people that have been like the. Courts didn't uphold what we know happened, which is that he shot her. Yeah, so I there, said that. So there are people. You said that, right? <laughs> I did. So there are people on both I, sides of it. What I'm saying is, the people who are fair-minded about it are like, okay, well, let's see what the court of ju- what what well, what a court of law says. You know, I I agree that it's true that you would get filleted if you come out if you come out like, oh, I don't believe that this could happen, and you should get that response because that's a ridiculous response. Anytime anybody is accused of any kind of intimate partner violence. Were you in that relationship? Do you know? There's no reason for you to jump out in it. And we should question the motivations for anybody who wants to come out and dismiss the experience of somebody that they cannot possibly testify to. But I think it's important that no matter that that is the response that you would get, especially more in recent times. I've been Black for 30 years. I have never seen a Black man, a celebrity accused of something like this or something, any kind of abuse. And there have not still been celebrities willing to die on that hill, prominent or not, right? Tory Tory ain't even nobody. By comparison, Tory Lanez is not as big of a star as Meg Thee Stallion, much less a Diddy. And he still had the LeBron James, Drake, who Drake and Tory Lanez have had their own beef. Drake still turned around and they're going to come out and they're going to champion a Tory Lanez, right? You saw Bill Cosby, you saw the Felicia Rashards ready to come out for them. You saw um, um, R. Kelly, down to even our blessed Kiki Palmers of today were coming out trying to defend them. I've always seen that. Even the Trey songs of the world had the Wendy Williams and them caping for them. There have always been people willing to come out and do it, right? So I think in the case of of Diddy, it is still telling that you don't see these bigger people wet, willing to put their name on the line in the same way and say, that's my friend. I know he wouldn't do it. You kind of see the opposite. Uh, people have been like, yeah, Diddy's a weirdo, but I'm fine with that. We know Diddy parties is this. We know these things kind of happen, but it is what it is. And I'm not really saying nothing because people, people, people know. So I think it is uh, telling in that regard. When it comes to the legal situation, again, I, as a lawyer, I just feel like there is a misconception we have about the legal system like the legal system is filled with regular like real people real real actors who are discerning things and looking at things and determine what evidence juries are made up of regular people there is no magical thing that happens in a court system that makes it any more the truth or this is bestowed by this judge or anything like that and i think we know that as black people we know that so it's kind of it feels it feels disingenuous when only in these scenarios, in abuse scenarios, when there are women women claiming abuse, when suddenly we have this conversation, it's like, oh, we suddenly we pretend as though to be neutral or to be fair or to be arbiters of justice is to wait on a court system that we don't trust or believe in in any other regard to tell us something. So I just don't quite buy that. I think I think it's fair to say we don't know what was there. There are complaints or allegations, but I think a reasonable, informed looking at something is to say if somebody makes allegations allegations against you. They make allegations against you. You have all the money in the world to fight it. They make damning allegations. And you in the dead of night, that happened in Friday night. That's when it's released, which I also think is important, right? In terms of the weekend coverage and getting to the next week. I also think there's a tactical move on that and waiting to put out that statement and settle that in the dead of night that coming out. Come on. 
Come uh, on. Uh, uh, and then suddenly all these outlets that didn't say anything at first said nothing. Revolt. BT posted nothing. Revolt said nothing. And then so suddenly they only can put revolt. out a post that it's been settled with Diddy's face. Come on. So I, I do want to just ask one more question about this. And then I want to make sure we get to the difference between the standard in a civil suit and a legal suit. So yes. then how do everything that you're saying makes perfect sense. But I feel like there is space there. How do we then deal with allegations that are made? So if there's no way to, if there's no standard that exists that um, lends credence to allegations or, you know, says the allegations are false, if the legal criminal standard isn't good enough, if the civil standard isn't good enough, because these are all people, which I agree with, then is then the very uh, assertion of allegations enough to say that all of this stuff happened because no. I, I'm so, so I'm, what I'm saying is, and that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is, is like, we talked about the Tory thing and Rachel said, even if he gets off, I still believe that he did it. Right. Mm -hmm. So are we saying that it's up to every person to believe allegations or innocence? And that's cool. No, but I, if we do that, then there's no way to hold somebody accountable culturally. I think one, we have to have, we have to make informed. We have to look at, look at the information in the case. Like Rachel said from the beginning, not everything is the same. It's not the same. So we can't take that same, like this, this kind of broadness approach to dismiss all of the different things that happen in this individual case to make people come to an informed decision. But yeah, there is likely some guilt here. I also think we have to have a conversation about who is we and what is justice? Because I think it's when, it, and when these things that happen in the discourse, these, because these are celebrities or we want to talk about it, I think we get it we get it misconstrued. Cassie is an individual person that is alleging she is she experienced abuse, like she experienced significant amounts of abuse and trauma. And Cassie, as an individual person, was trying to find the only route she felt available to her. And and I think that's important, right? The Adult Survivors Act, the statute of limitations was getting ready to run up on that. And she decided to take the only route available to her to get justice for what she experienced. There's really no reason why a populace who did not experience her, her abuse is trying to determine what they think is satisfactory justice or what counts there, right? What matters there is what she was trying to do, how she was trying to heal and how she was trying to approach and answer and rectify her abuse. It's not really up for us to decide whether or not we think it was appropriate justice because we wanted to determine how we feel about it, whether or not I think it's right, whether or not I think it's true. I think the reason that question is happening is because people want to decide whether or not it's okay to still like Diddy, how other people are going to feel about us if you continue to like Diddy. And I think that then becomes a different conversation about our morals, our views, our virtue signaling. How do we how do we distinguish between uh, being consumers of a product and whether or not we support and stand? And that's an entirely different conversation that's getting conflated with whether or not this individual woman experienced justice or got what she was looking for based on the experience and the trauma that she had. And she try she's trying to rectify Mm -hmm. You mentioned the Adult Survivors Act, which I was going to say if we could talk a little bit about just because a, another question that people have is, well, why did she wait till now? Again, yeah, everything is not the same. But why did she wait till now? Why was it so, you know, like why after all these years together and then years apart, did she decide to file this suit in New York in federal yeah. court? 
So the the Adult Survivors Act is the is the statute that gives her um gives her a, a claim that she's able to, that she's able to file under and there's a statute of limitations on it and it was getting down to based on the time in which these claims have happened it was almost this I think she has maybe I think maybe it's like a week or a year some small period of time that she has left before she was able to sue so that's the legally legally why as to the real why that people are engaging and oh why she waits so late. Um, I mean, I think respectfully, that's stupid. Um, we live in this, we live, we live in a society where most people, um, I know most women I know, I don't know women who haven't experienced sexual or sexual abuse or some kind of sexual harassment or sexual assault. And that has never been responded to by a society that's like, ah, oh, I believe you get justice. You know what I mean? No, that's not what happens. You have, you have your trauma picked apart. You have to convince a populace, a courtroom police and whomever it is or whatever to believe, to believe what you're saying when they're inclined not to Right? most rape kits. There are hundreds of thousands of rape kits that go untested each and every single year. Most people that actually go through the court system and the criminal system find the police don't even file charge. don't even make arrests. Don't even care. The criminal system does not pros- prosecute or continue to go down that right. So there's a reason why people keep, and we know it. We're literally the fact that we have to have these conversations is the reason why that we need to that why someone would wait or why someone wouldn't tell at all right and i think when you think about it right if you just look at diddy is somebody who throughout his career has had not these kinds of allegations but throughout his career you've had different women allege uh different things and then recant it or take it back or different other people that have known him do interviews and allege different things and what happens the public ultimately decides to, you know, turn it into entertainment fodder, debate it, this is in the next thing. And then the people are ultimately dismissed. They're laughed off, even about the things that are not sexual abuse, just regular, you know, exploitation in music and career. And people are completely dismissed. And Diddy goes on to continue being Diddy. So what really is the motivation? And if you ask why now, well, I'd say, when could she have done it that people would have been receptive to it? Had she done it when she was young? Let's say she did it when this just started happening. Diddy, uh, Cassie's relationship with Diddy on, on on public file begins at what, like 19? Had she done it then, people would have said, oh, she's trying to make a name off of him. This is her trying to make a name off him. Had she done it when they when, when they first split, they would say she did it because she's bitter about the breakup. They would say she's bitter about the breakup. And then if so, when could she do it? I think it makes sense that she would wait until she has a husband and a family and she's far enough removed and she could have some kind of level of stability and some kind of support to fight this. And I think there's also a reason why this was tried to have this kind of conversation privately. There's a lot that goes into the decision to go take something like that public. I'm sure it didn't happen lightly, having the public discuss your trauma and that you've been raped or your sexual acts where they're going to try to disbelieve you, slut shame you and all this in the next thing. That is a hard, heavy thing to take on. So when people say why now, it's really more so like where the question really should be is where she find the strength to do it at all, not just why now. It makes perfect sense why she would have waited both legally and just socially what we know about how the public responds to sexual abuse allegations. There's been a whole documentary on Russell Simmons, right? It's almost as if people just forgot about it. Don't talk about it. Ignore it. Has not nearly been as public. L.A. Reid, there's a suit against L.A. Reid right now. Diddy now coming under fire publicly. Um, with all of this, you've got Trey Songs, you have Tory Lanez, R. Kelly, the list goes on and on and on. Do you think that with a Diddy being so big and so influential, being this mogul that he is, not just in hip hop, but just in the culture period as a businessman, all of that, um, and been such a staple for 30 plus years, do you think that with him coming under fire, that this will be some kind of turning point when it comes to hip hop, do you think that this is stepping into like a Me Too era of hip hop? 
Did we, no. we need someone like a, a Diddy accusation, because I have to say these are allegations. Did you need that to maybe turn the tide when it comes to the cult, no. this culture? No, they awarded, they created an honorary award for Dr. Dre just this year. You know, I watched, I watched a documentary just this year with D Barnes recounting what everybody knew that D- Dr. Dre did to them. We've seen a movie, we've seen multiple movies get made about Michelle. What happened? So no, I don't think so. I wish, I wish, but to me, it's it's played out exactly how I thought it would. Seeing a silence, a, a silence when the allegations drop, seeing resounding silence amongst the blogs and the coverage and the outlets, right? And then only after. Then they say something and then they choose to cherry pick the 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 videos and the tweets that they circulate are only the ones casting negative aspersions on Cassie. So, no, I don't think so. I think what we're going to see is a little bit of silence on this issue. It's going to be about four months. A couple of months are going to pass and then they're going to have Diddy being cute with Carisha coming out or doing something or endorsing something. And that's what's going to happen, because the reality is. He's he's too powerful and he's not the first. He's not even the first to have a high to have it highlighted in this way. It's just I think. Because it's Diddy and Cassie and it surprised us all to see, again, the 35 page allegations. But we've been making movies and documentaries and openly discussing what ha- what different artists just as big as him or different people in the hip hop community that are just as big as him have done for decades without without recourse. So I wish it would. I wish it would. But I don't think it will. Where can they find you? God damn it. <laughs> follow me on all social media twitter instagram tiktok threads everywhere at miss olurin m-s-o-l-u-r-i-n and follow my youtube channel olurinati man we, you guys gotta go watch with me um her friend gabby gab no yes. excuse me gabrielle sorry yes sorry gabrielle uh you guys gotta go on there and i'm gonna plug it we discussed um carly <laughs> uh, russell it was it was carly, carly russell yeah boy <laughs> we had a debate <laughs> we had a debate it was a yeah. lot of fun my mother couldn't so my mother watched it she couldn't get over the fact of how beautiful we all are she, she, was, <laughs> she was looking at it she was like jesus christ these black children are so beautiful i'm like mom i'm 43 years old <laughs> it's a nice beautiful black shot and rachel you have to come on now too now that we've oh i would met. love to <laughs> thank you so Bye, much everybody. thank Bye, you so much for joining us on our learning this episode is brought to you by shea moisture we finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from shea moisture and they're amazing made with shea butter and black dermatologist approved these deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. The deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm-hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day. <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smells good. Oh, yeah. Thing. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. Ulta Beauty is the place where beauty loves you back. With the Ultimate Rewards program, when you shop, you earn points that can be used toward products or beauty services. What better place to shop for holiday gifts and get rewarded? Van, have you done your holiday shopping yet? A little bit of it. A little bit okay. of it. Yeah. For who? For all different types of people. For me, I know. I already know you did it for me. I did a little bit of it for Let you. Let me give you a list give it of to things me. I like. Now. Now? Is that yeah, what you said? Give me the list. Okay. Well, one, I love self-care products. Okay. Okay. Because most things I can get for myself, right? So it's like the little things. Mm-hmm. So I love face masks. You should get in a face mask too if you okay. can. Anything that moisturizes my face, sunscreen, lotion, and my, this is what I'm going to give you. This is your stocking stuffer. Okay. Remember when we had that episode and those lips were chapped, chapped and I had lips. to slide you over something? Yeah. That's what I'm going to get you. Nice. I need some of that too. They okay. have these lip masks that you can use. A mask like, for your lips? Yeah, yeah. Like they take the crust off or you can do like a lip scrub. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like you a little lip that. scrub to mm-hmm. get like, because like I got the big lips and they look nice and plump okay. when they're all, okay. My audience doesn't want <laughs> doesn't want all that. Okay, you guys can get rewarded for your holiday shopping with Ulta Beauty's Ultimate Rewards Program. Make sure to get all your purchases in before December 31st. That way you can keep or level up your status and take advantage of the benefits you love all 2024. And with the same-day pickup or delivery, Ulta Beauty makes it easy to avoid all those lines. So head to your local Ulta Beauty store, buy online, and pick up in-store or shop in the app today. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. Rach. It was great to have our guest on yes, with us. Yes, it was. She was great. All was fantastic. I, I just wanted to know, what's your reaction to everything that went down with Cassie and Diddy? What, what do you think? I mean, I think it's very obvious in the way I was asking my questions and some of the responses that I had. That, And, it, and even how you guys have seen me react before on this podcast when there have been allegations um, of abuse uh, on behalf of from, from a woman allegations from a woman about a man. Um, I believe women. So I believe everything that Cassie is saying until something tells me otherwise. I'm, I choose to believe her. And just for a number of reasons, I mean, she was so detailed. It would be wild for a lot of that to be fabricated. And just because of who he is, that takes a lot of strength courage to come out and 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 knowing knowing how the court of public opinion is knowing how people tend to victim blame and shame she knew that had to know that was coming yet she still went forward with it i think that her being married i think her having two young daughters played a factor into that and i think that she needed to get that out. Like I think she need not like she needed justice for herself, but I think also there's a a mental health aspect to that as well about getting that out. I feel like she didn't want to carry that type of secret. And 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 seeing two daughters, it's like, well, what kind of and I'm I'm so guessing here. I'm assuming, but like thinking about your role as a woman and the woman that you want your daughters to be and and how you want in a world you want them to grow up in and keeping that a secret inside and not standing, you know, speaking out and telling um your I have to say alleged truth. So I think I, I just I believe her because I just think the Maybe it would have t- torn her up inside, and, and obviously it has. If you've read in, if you've read the court document, all the the mental anguish and stuff that she's alleging that she suffered, 
obviously she was suffering by not saying anything, but I just, I, I believe her. I just believe her. So when I was in the back and forth I was having with Ola, I think what I was trying to get at and what I was trying to um, to articulate is it, it, not what the ashy motherfuckers are going to say and not what the people that don't believe that there's any daylight for there to be a false allegation are going to say that every single woman is telling the truth and every single man is lying. There are people on both ends of the spectrum, but then there are people in the middle who just want to try to understand how they can affect uh, a better, safer, healthier culture for not just women, because here's the, obviously it's for women. It's for the safety and protection of women. You want a better culture, but it's also so that like brothers don't men, black men, don't become abusive pieces of shit. The world is better when there are less abusive pieces of shit in the community, right? And, you know, if there's a cultural edict to affect that in a whole way, then I think that there's some things that people wanted. Like, for the last decade of Diddy's life, he has been a lifestyle salesman. Not necessarily even selling music, a lifestyle salesman, very aspirational to a lot of people, um, jet setting, Ciroc lifestyle, activism and political awareness uh, for what is worth for some people, the healing and the love message, all of that stuff. And for a lot of people that's resonated, resonated in a very, very big way, very inspirational to a lot of people. And I think what people are starting to ask, the question that people are starting to ask is what price do you pay for your inspiration? What price do you pay for your lifestyle, aspirational stuff? Like what price uh, do you pay for it? And what price does someone pay for it, right? Is there throngs of black, young black girls that play for your education, for your entertainment, shall I say, if it's R. Kelly? For your, these are all allegations. These are allegations that Diddy's lawyer and Diddy like straight up denies. But the question is still central. Like for you to have a good time, for you to have fun, for you to party, for you to feel good, for you to get whatever it is that you're you're getting, what price are you willing to pay for that? And what price are you willing to watch somebody else pay for it? If it turns out after all of this time that who the person, whomever it may be, uh, is guilty of all of these horrific things or have done all, all of these horrific things, do you say, hey, that happens, separate the art from the artist or whatever? Or do we make it a point to say there's no amount of fun, there's no amount of awareness, there's no amount of good messages, there's no amount of anything that would make it okay for someone to have to live through that? Now, that's a question that we're asking. And to be honest with you, it's a difficult one because, you know, in past generations, they never asked it. Like right now, if I told somebody right now to go and Wikipedia James Brown, we talked about this before. If I told you to go Wikipedia James Brown, some of these other people, you would look at that and think James Brown is a fucking terrorist. And that's not a diss to James Brown, you guys. But if you look at all of the things that that he did in his life, all of the stuff that he was doing outside of making amazing, beautiful. No, oh, James want, Brown. Well, both. Both. <laughs> both. <laughs> well, both. But, and and that, yes. that goes to the point. I was on Twitter and I was some kind of way... Sam Cooke and Bobby Womack came up. Oh, because he took, he he married his wife. Married his wife, married his wife, but then also married Sam Cooke's wife and wore Sam Cooke's suit to his funeral. But then after he married Sam Cooke's wife, 
then started having a relationship with that woman's 17-year-old daughter. Like when you go back and look at all of this stuff, the questions about whether or not these people were good people, we just used to not just not ask them. Right. We used to just not ask the question whether or not somebody was paying for all of the entertainment or whatever that you got. Now we're asking the questions and I don't think we like the answers that we're getting. Of course not. And so the the question is, if we're asking that question, like how do you get an answer? And that's what I was trying to ask. And like, what could the answer be? And people are frustrated when a situation like this comes up and it's left in ambiguity. By the way, I am not in any way saying, you guys, please be certain that I'm not saying that it's. I don't think it comes across that way. It, it's 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 Cassie's job to take this all the way through. She, Cassie got what she was trying to get, which was acknowledgement, in my opinion, for for what she says she went through and the financial payoff for what she says she went through. Which, by the way, guys, is justice. We talk about that being justice in so many different instances. Like Ola said, I just think. Like we're treading water almost. It's 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 tough. Cause for me personally, I've do I do a lot of work with Revolt. I've done I've known Diddy. I'm not me and Diddy are not best friends. Let me let me not try to couch it. I I've done a lot of work with Revolt. I'm on Revolt all the time. I love going down there and working with Revolt. Let me tell you guys something about going down there to the studio in Atlanta and working with them. Like I go a lot of places and I do a lot of things, right? When you're in Revolt Studios in Atlanta, you walk in there and there's black women in there humming and singing. The show that we did, Bet on Black, it's a fantastic show. It's very black. It's very amazing to go down there and work with them and be a part of the ecosystem down there. I love it. I love what they've put together. I love what they're doing. And I want them to be more successful than anything, right? So for somebody like me who does that, or for somebody like me who had a relationship with Puff since the moment that he became aware of of, 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 uh, of my existence, yeah. Like, I would like to know what's true and what's not true. Well, and, and this, and to, to what you were saying when you were asking like you want clarity or people want clarity they're seeking that or maybe even they feel like they need that I do feel like it's a personal choice it always is when it comes to these type of questions that you're asking you have to decide for yourself I I don't because like for example we mentioned Tori or even if you mentioned like OJ they're found innocent but then people still have their feelings based off what even though a court of law found this to be true People have feelings based on other evidence or things that have come out after that they believe to be true and feel like it was wrong in this sense. Because as Ola was saying, these are people making these decisions. These are regular people making these decisions in a, like a jury. Um, so I do feel like it's personal. And that and you can even say that because of how we deal with Michael. Right. Michael Jackson. It, it's it's personal. But my thing is, though, it's personal. Let's be honest. As a culture, we have made a decision. Correct. About Michael Jackson. Correct. We've made a, we've made a decision about Michael Jackson. I, I'm glad that she said we shouldn't be throwing anybody away, right? But there is a situation that exists to where sometimes a motherfucker has done too much, man. Correct. Like R. Kelly. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, it, but it, well, let, let's be real, R. Kelly. But if the allegations against Michael Jackson are true as well, no, I, then it's, I agree it's, with it's, you. Like, it's ghastly and horrific. It's it, but like he was found innocent, right? And we took that he was found innocent. And by the way, just one, let, and then in some cases, another case, he settled. Well, we'll let you guys know something though. This is the thing about Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson had his day in court. Michael Jackson was found innocent. Not only that, but I've read and seen things that maybe you guys haven't. There is a lot of reason to believe that Michael Jackson didn't do the stuff that they said he did. I just, I don't know. Like, I, like it, it, and this is not me. I'll say this again. Mike Walters at TMZ, a guy who didn't give a fuck about it. He was like, he, he was reading all of this stuff. And he actually came to me one day after I had made a joke about it. And he said, you know what? He said, you know, I don't think Michael Jackson did that stuff. But once again, neither here nor there. What I'm trying to say is that it is up to everyone to try to understand these situations for themselves. It is. It is up to everyone. But we're also asking for a higher standard of cultural accountability than we've ever asked for before. We are. Well, that's true. We're asking for a higher standard of culture. We're asking new questions. And I think it's worth the conversation of how we answer them. You know, when Colin Kaepernick took his settlement with the NFL, a lot of people were like, done. He settled. It must have not been that big a deal to him. We want him to be an activist right now, and which is something that he said that, that he took a mantle. He took up that Cassie didn't. So those are two completely different things. But I'm thinking, but I think a lot of people like look at these things from what do the institutions that we were told matter to us what do they have to say and I think that she was so spot on about how it really doesn't matter what those institutions say anyway so what's the cultural standard that we have in terms of trying to understand what makes sense and what doesn't and you know why I think it's so hard to have a standard because a standard is like takes all the feeling and the emotion out of it and this is this is this is emotional Right. When you when you talk about the things that Diddy has done in the black community and continue until these allegations, what he represented. Right. Like you saw it one way. Yeah, he's been in trouble before. And but like not this, not these type of allegations, not this, not, not this clearly laid out. Right. Right. Not. And like especially when there had been rumors and people had always raised an eyebrow about that relationship then to have this come out in this way, that it's just, it stings. And so it's hard to create this standard that may be something that we need and very well deserving when it's personal to you, right? Like you talk about revolt. Revolt represents so much to the community and is doing great things. But just because Diddy created it, does that does that now put a cloud over revolt? Should people not support revolt? Do they? No. Like, he, it still doesn't take away from the fact that he did great things for the community. But now it's like separating him as a person from some of the work that he's done. But I think it hurts overall to create the standard because you do tie him to so many things. You talked about the lifestyle. You talk about what he means to a new generation. The fact that he has daughters. It's, it's There's just it's so complex that it's hard to just draw a line in the stand in the sand, which is what a standard would create. Right. I, I do want to say something to all of our OGs out there. And I really mean this, man. And I can't big brother the big brothers, but I'm just saying this. Get 
help. Seriously. We realize that you guys came up from fucked up situations. We realized it was bad. We realized that you came through all of this stuff, man. The 90s were wild. Everybody was getting money. Everyone was shooting at everybody. And all of this stuff was going on. Y'all partied. Y'all did a lot of drugs. Y'all did all of this stuff. Everyone realizes all of that. A lifestyle is no excuse for hurting people. A lifestyle is no excuse for usury. It's no excuse for any of that stuff. For all of these men that we've looked up to for such a long time, all of these people that we have uh, entrusted culturally for such a long time, look at the things that are happening now as the opportunity to affect people, not just outside of your personal life, but inside of your personal life in a different way. Heal, man. Responsibility, accountability, and growth is the only thing I can uh, promise that I'll do for myself because I've been a fucked up, low down, dirty ass nigga too. Absolutely. I fucking definitely have. But man, we owe it to ourselves to be better examples. All of this stuff coming out is deeply deeply these are just allegations i'm not damning condemning or putting guilt on anyone but what i'm saying is just being tangential to that type of thing yo we have got to heal have to have to heal and then i guess everybody else make your own decision on what that looks like and how that goes and what you feel like is cool to heal from and what you feel like has to be discarded but um uh, very ser- serious situation i guess it's rem- it remains to be seen you know how things go moving forward you know um and everybody can make up their own minds about it it don't just read the the headlines or read the five things to take away take the time to read it it's very detailed, and some of it has been confirmed from people. Yeah. Ah. Next topic. This fucking. This I know. Topic, <laughs> I know. All right. Um. Let's move on. I want to say something to Drake real quick. Drake. Yeah, Drake. 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 We love you, bro. I want to let Drake know that Black America, we love you. Does he? Th- he doesn't think we do. So Drake put he out said that in his music. Drake put out a um, scary like a new deluxe for for all the dogs. Did you listen to it? I did not. Scary hours deluxe edition for all the dogs. Good rap music on there. I, I, I hear. I'm hearing very positive reviews. Good rap music. Just like Drake can do whatever he wants musically. He can be a good rapper. He can be a slightly mediocre artist. He can be the best pop star in the world. Drake can do whatever. It's just about what Drake wants to do. If he wants to get up and he wants to fucking rap as good as the greatest rappers on the planet, he can do that. If he wants to sing the, he as good as the R&B people, he can do that. If he wants to make like not very ambitious sort of middling music, he can do that too. But like if he kick people in the ass and, you know, let people know he can still do whatever he wants to do. But there's one lyric on there, one of the songs, it said, white America says I'm becoming a threat, 
Black America loves to remind me what my mama looked like as if I could ever forget. Drake's mom is white. Yeah, I'm aware. Say it, line again. White America says, say I'm becoming a threat. I'm yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> sure about that. Black America loves to remind me what my mama looked like. That's true. In case you think that last part is true. That's true. So tell you, so you feel like we harp on Drake's biracialness. Yes, but not because he is biracial. It's because Drake is so dip. The Drake now is so different from the Drake we first met when he started rapping. And it seems like he's trying to be something that he's not. And I feel like that's why the black community and not in blackness, just in lifestyle. And so that's why the blackness, that's why I feel like people are constantly reminding him about who his mom is or the fact that he was on Degrassi or where he grew up. Like, no, truly, that it all it's all in there together. Let me ask you this. Do you when think- he came out, nobody pushed back on that. Well, nobody pushed back on what? When he first came out. It was like, oh, there's this kid from Toronto who used to be a TV star who can sing and rap. He wasn't rapping about hard stuff like that. He's not really rapping about hard stuff now. It's He's got some like, stuff he's, in there. Sh- Listen, at his concert, he's wearing like a bulletproof vest and he's pop, bosh, talking about shooters and killers and stuff like Can that. You know, so, I mean, he's not, Drake is not like, but he, in a way, he there is, is a, so different from I Just Want to Be Successful, Drake. And oh, that, that first, so that first, good, it was man. so good. And nobody was reminding him because it was like, this is me. This is who I am. And you have to admit, and listen, I like Drake's music. This isn't like a t- talking about his music. I'm just saying why people are constantly now. They well, didn't start off that way, reminding him who his mom they did, is. They did. I will say this, that there may be a, some people around Drake now that weren't around him before. And it's not like he doesn't matter in the streets of Toronto. If you ask people from Toronto. I didn't say he didn't. Yeah, Drake Drake and them kind of, I mean, they run Toronto a little but bit. But that's now. That's not how he grew up. Yeah, I get it. That's like me, the daughter of a federal judge. But you used to be a full city? From First Baptist Academy talking about like this life. And it's like, well, maybe now you're around some of that. But like, that's not, if I first came out and started rapping, I would be rapping about going to private school. See, I'd be Clarence. See, yeah, his parents <laughs> have a real good marriage. Okay, so I don't really need my rappers to be like hard and super no, criminals. No, we don't. So, so when 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 a rapper says that he did something, it's I don't really care too much. It's like uh, I remember Hove had one lyric where he said, um, it's "On he said smoking uh, something with Castro and Cabanas or whatever." It's like I'm like that probably didn't happen, you know. But Rick <laughs> Ross said the real Noriega, he owed me a hundred favors. I'm like he probably doesn't, you know. I get it, I get it, guys. You did some stuff. But some of the stuff you're talking about, it's it's like whatever, right? It's it's whatever. But like I wonder, it kind of because Drake had this lyric, and he also had the whipped and changed by whipped and chained like American slaves on the song that he did before. I'm wondering if Drake feels disconnected from Black America a little bit because there's a difference between being biracial and being light skinned. I, I don't think he feels. I think he's saying we are. I don't think he himself feels disconnected. I think he's. It's a. It's a dig on black people who are disconnecting him. Does that make sense? Can I say something, though? Mm-hmm. Drake is our favorite son. Mm. Drake is black America's favorite son, and I can mm. prove it. Okay. Now, you don't have family members that went to jail, do you? I do. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Did your dad put him in jail? That would be so crazy. He did not. That would be so crazy. He'd have to recuse himself. Oh, you would have to recuse yourself? You shouldn't have to. 
Yes, you should. You're biased. Nah, man. You should be able. If I'm an elected, Actually, ju- I feel like my dad could not could be very by the book. I would. If I'm an elected judge, elected by the people, I should be able to give whatever sentence to anyone, even if my cousin a day. What if you're appointed? If I'm okay, if I'm appointed, well, and you can only only way you're out is well, if see, you're impeached. Here's the deal, though. So he's an appointed judge by Clinton, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, that is true. That is a little different because then you could just appoint people and. No, with whatever. But that's, let me think about that. I, I would like to. I don't think Definitely you should have, have to recuse. I don't think you have. Okay. So look, there's something that happens with with your with your your grandmama, right? If you have uncles that are in jail, or if you have siblings, sometimes it feels like your grandmother loves, or the family loves, the uncle that's in jail more than they love everybody else, right? Because they hold everyone else to a standard. Sure. That they don't hold the incarcerated loved one to. Very true. You've seen that before, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you graduate, you make straight A's. You go, oh, good for you, baby. Did you see that your uncle won the prison basketball tournament? That boy is one of the most talented, whatever. Always seems like, and everybody else's shit gets suspended sometimes, or it's not as good as the person that's away. The love is harder. We love on them harder. And I feel like we do that for Drake a little bit. I feel like we there's a lot of standards that the grandmother with the kid in jail doesn't hold them to that they hold everybody else to, right? You got to do stuff that your 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 brother or your son that just came home from jail doesn't have to do. You have to do this, you have to do that. They always seem a little bit funnier, always seem a little bit cooler. They get like favorite kid status. So is he as a low standard? Well, we've changed the standards from Drake in many ways because we love him that much. I but, feel like he has a high standard. No, think about it. Think about this. I say that we've loved Drake more than we've loved any other rapper. Any other rapper. We treat him, we, any other rapper. Like, Drake has broken every hallowed hip-hop rule. Is that us? That's us because we, 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 we don't even care. We, it, Drake is still Drake. Like, think about it. Like, you're not supposed to have ghost riders in hip hop. You're not supposed to be able to have ghost riders. We're like, fuck it, it's Drake. It's cool, whatever. He's got a lot of stuff on his plate. We don't care. Not supposed to have ghost riders, right? Yeah, yeah, it's confirmed. The reference tracks came out. You know what I mean? You have to be a have to have a bona fide classic album to be considered a goat of hip hop. I love Take Care. Love it. It's great. It's fantastic. It's not a bona fide classic. You know, we're like, fuck it, it's great. Drake. He gives us so much good music that it doesn't matter that he doesn't have like a bona fide classic because he gives us so much good music. We made up a new rule for it. Drake, somebody diss you in rap. You're supposed to respond. You're supposed to respond, 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 respond. Put your teeth, diss Drake. Drake says, hey, LeBron James told me not to respond. We're like, fuck it, it's Drake. Drake is bigger than any hip-hop standard. We love Drake so much that we don't even hold him to the same hip-hop standards that we hold everybody else to. He's like in his own category. That's how much we love Drake. Are you saying we consider him a goat? Yeah, Drake is definitely considered a goat. There's no way you can't consider Drake a goat right now. Mm. Overall, right now? Or like if you had to name like a top five, would you put him in it? Drake has had the single greatest rap career of any rapper I'm, ever. I'm not talking about like records and record sales. If you if if black people, because because part of that is not black people, right? A lot of that's not black people that have made him but it, that but have it, made him that. But it doesn't work without black people. Okay, but that have made him that. Do you are you saying that if the, if you had to name a top five or black people had to name a top five, 
overall, because that's goat status, right? Not goat right now. Sure, goat right now, fine, whatever. But if you have to put, if you have to give him a top five, would you put Drake in it? So here's the thing. I don't think black people would. If you if you if you're gonna do a top five best MCs of all time, maybe you don't put Drake in there, maybe. But if you're gonna do a top five greatest rappers. I don't think black people would put him in it. You have to put Drake in the top five. I just, rappers. I don't think black people would. I really don't. So the fact that Drake is a great rapper, like a great rapper, and has made great music for this long and has been this much of a global phenomenon, like he's had the biggest rap career of anybody almost ever besides maybe Eminem. So to me, he's definitely a GOAT. He is definitely a GOAT. But he doesn't, he doesn't feel the love because he can't see. Yes, black people make fun of him. Wait, we make fun of him, but we also, black people make fun of Drake, but they also love Drake in a much deeper and different way than they've ever loved any other rapper. Drake gets away with so much stuff that other rappers, Drake, it's, we love you, baby. It's all right, man. It's okay. You'll like, black America love Drake. You don't feel like we love Drake? We love Drake. Black America loves Drake. Black Black America loves Drake's music. Black America does not love Drake. We do love Drake as a person. No, people Black love to Black America rap. loves I think Drake. People love what to make, are you I think Donnie. I think they like Drake, but they love like as a person. That's why he. I'm using his words. That's why he doesn't feel connected to the community. They're always ragging on him. Any chance black people can get to rag on Drake, if 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 it's in context, they do. But but that's Donnie. That, what do you but, think? But hold on. That's the part of it that's I'm, yeah. I'm gonna race on this one. Well, hold on. Ahead, but see, man. that's the part of it that's othering. The part of it that that's othering is the fact that black people rag on everybody they like. It's a part of being black. There's no black person. Name a rapper who gets ragged on in the way. And I mean, like, legit. Don't name somebody like, I don't want to say names. But, like, are they, name another rapper that's GOAT status that they rag on like Drake. Name another rapper that be doing that type of shit. (laughs) You're proving my point. I'm just saying. You get it. You get it. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. wait. And I'm saying that's why they do. I don't but think... But we love him for that, though. That's why we love Drake, That's man. not why I love Drake. Well, like, I like his music. I like... But I also like the fact that Drake is... You know, the, as far as talent and, sw- and all of that, he's different. But Drake is a lot more... That's why I like Kanye. That's why I like Drake. Drake is a lot more like me than a lot of these other people. He's a lot more... See, I used to feel that way. I mean, it's different now because I ain't got no no hitters with me. And he got actual real hitters with him. But Drake got to, man, stop with the white America say I'm becoming a threat. No, they're not. No, they're not. They never said that. It's never in no, that's not in no white American meetings. They never had Drake up there. Yeah. They, right. they, they didn't you are not a renegade. Drake is not a renegade. When the white America is doing the list of people they got to take out, it's not Drake. It's the, they're probably like, here, listen to some Drake. And by the way, can I ask you a question? Here's the deal. So I'm telling you, there's a difference between light skin and like J. Cole got a white mama. And do people rag on J. Cole? Do because it's not about the white mama. I'm you're literally proving my point. That's what I'm saying about this. I'm saying it's not about the white mama. It's not about but we make fun no, of no, J. Cole, no. but it's they not about the white mama. Remind him that he is because of the way he acts. Nobody's reminding J. Cole because he don't act like Drake. Who is Tate McCray? She's a singer. 
Why? 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 Why are we talking about her? But I'm saying, why is everybody talking about Tate McRae now? I did not know everyone was talking about her. You know who she is? I know who she, you know why I know who she is? Because I was working the carpet at the MTV Awards a couple of years ago. Tate McRae. And she walked through and I was like, who is that? She was like hosting. Vanessa. And she's hosting. And I was like, who is that girl? I've never seen her before in my life. And they were like, that's Tate McRae. I don't know her music. I don't know anything about her, but. There was that's... a whole Tate McRae discourse because someone put up a clip of her dancing and was like, it was like, yo, Tate McRae is bringing dancing back to pop music. And then people were like, oh, what about Normani? And what about all of these other people that have been dancing? It's racist that you say that. And I'm like, who the fuck is Tate McRae? Yeah, I'm, I'm only aware of her because of that one moment. I don't know her music. Though. We got to talk about Michael Rappaport. I want to say something before we get to Michael Rappaport. I want to send a, a shout out to somebody. I want to send a shout out to to send a shout out to Anthony, who tried to make. Actually, I'm gonna save it for the end of the show. I'm gonna save it for the end of the show. I remember to shout out Anthony. I'm gonna save it for the end of the show. Just write that down for I yourself. Did. I remember to shout out Anthony. Um, uh, Michael Rappaport, friend of the show, you would say. No, come on now. <laughs> Had a lot to say about how he feel like blacks would react if the hostages um, over in Israel slash Gaza were black and what we would be doing. Our resident Negroologist, Michael Rappaport, has weighed in. Donnie, play the audio. Yo, if 20 American tourists, 20 American tourists, forget the 1,200 people that were murdered, slaughtered, civilians. If 20 American Civilians, all African-American, all black, all ages were taken hostage and 10 of them were murdered and raped. And there was 10 surviving American tourist hostages that were all black. There's not one motherfucker in this country that would be talking about cease fire. There's not one person. It would be Bring the fucking hostages back and they better be, they better be alive. They better be pristine. There wouldn't be no ceasefire. There would be no run. Can you imagine college students ripping down posters of 10 black people from America if they were taken hostage? And 10 others were raped and murdered. Nobody nobody would be saying shit. The African-American community would be demanding they came back. White people, black people, Jewish people would be demanding they come back. There wouldn't be a discussion of a ceasefire. That's a fact. Nobody could tell me shit that that is not a fucking fact. Forget the 1,200 other people that were murdered. I'm talking about just 10. I don't compare tragedies. Oh, that's enough. Um, Rachel, your thoughts. I'll, I, I weighed in on Twitter. I want to know what you I, I really don't have that much to say. Oh, you went on Twitter and did it? I don't really have that much to say other than if this, okay. If 10 black people, if this if this is the standard, if what he was saying is true about how the world views black people, we would not, black people would not be in the position that they are in today in this world. If black lives were valued in this way, black people wouldn't, 
like there would be, be a Black Lives Matter movement. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, listen, I understand Michael Rappaport being upset um, as a Jewish person. I understand that it's upsetting that hostages, that there are hostages there and there are people taking down posters. But please, I'm so sick of the narrative. And we discussed this on our podcast when we brought Daniela on. Is that her name? Yes. We brought Daniela on. Please stop bringing us into this. Please stop making it a tit for tat thing. Please stop saying, oh, we did this for you. So you need to or you better do this for us. It shouldn't be a transactional thing. It should be people standing up for people and what is right and for justice and and humanity. Don't bring us into that. But this is so wrong on so many levels. But the biggest one to me is this is not how the world values black lives. Um, we're in danger. Remember Ghost? The movie? Yeah. Molly, you in danger, girl. The danger is that there will be irreparable damage between the black and Jewish communities. Do you think we're there? Not yet. But I think that we, I don't think we're there yet, but I think that we need to have serious conversations about a number of things. And these conversations might not be for public consumption. These conversations might be best had amongst friends that trust each other, maybe in person, maybe not via text, uh, maybe with people who, you know, have your best interests at heart. And I'll tell you why. I, I responded to the Michael Rappaport video on Instagram. If you guys want to see that, you can go watch it or whatever. But it's not the substance of the video that's so offending, right? We could play the what if game all we want. We will never believe that. Black people don't have the historical context in America to ever believe that our lives will be in any way valued or prioritized in any way. Now, we would be mad. Like you can tell of course. if stuff happens to us, will we be mad? Yeah, we would be mad. We, we're mad when things happen to us. Of course. To say that other people are the going world. to be mad, the world is going to be mad. This is black Americans. He said America. Very, very, very deft by him to say America right there. Very pointed because he knows that nobody cares what happens to black people in Africa. Nobody cares what happens to black people in the Caribbean. You can slaughter people in Africa. You can like destroy people in Haiti all over the place. And because, because the economics are different and the voices are different, nobody cares. So he, he was very clever to say black Americans because he feels like we're noisy and he feels like we have cultural and economic power that some black people from other parts of the world don't have. Um, but the inspiration of this entire thing, right, comes from a place that is putrid. Michael Rappaport for a long time has felt like he has a right to comment on us and to talk about us in ways that we could never talk about the Jewish community. Right. In ways that we 
better not open our mouths to talk about anybody else. Right. You see, we don't get to music our way into anybody else's community by producing documentaries or being a part of stuff. We don't get to fuck our way into anybody else's community by uh, marriage or who we is. We don't. Very clearly, black shit is your shit. You deal with it. Anything else is a motherfucking negotiation. Anything else. Don't matter what it is. If it's about your life, it's about your health, anything else is a negotiation. But you don't tell us even how to treat you. That's a negotiation with black people. Black people negotiate, white people dictate. That's the way that it goes, right? So for him to sit there and tell us what we should be doing, how should we be doing, what would happen, what was this, based upon his knowledge of us, when in the past he's told us that black people don't care about certain uh, violence and other things like that, and he has to care, he has to care for us, and he has to make us care. Mm -hmm. Michael Rapport is the god of black people. He has to care for us, right, because we don't care enough about ourselves, and then he has to make us care. Michael Rapport is over us. He's the general of all niggas. He's the number one guy. He's the Optimus Prime of the blacks. Michael Rappaport is. But the reason why I say that it's going to a place that we can't get it back from is because, like, there is, and we talked about it on the last, on the last episode, and I talked to... <laughs> So many of my friends, my Jewish friends, we're talking all the time, and they're just simply not like this. They don't. That's <laughs> the th yes, he's very extreme. Like they're, they're not like this, but there's a thing that's happening to where, like, we're starting to feel like wind up toys, and it's starting to feel like we're lesser than. And all of those things that are in the back of your mind, there's no way I could be in this room and have everybody think that I'm equal to them. There's no way they think I'm as smart as, 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 as they are. There's no way that it feels like this. There's no way that they feel like that, right? You don't understand that when you say, hey, you need to do this, or hey, this is what you should do, or hey, do this, when you treat us as things, when you thinkify us rather than deal with us as people, that's what happens. And then all of the people who actually mean bad for Jewish people, the Jewish diaspora across the world, the people who actually have nefarious things in their mind about them, go look, see how they look at you? They don't even think this is worth your own thought. You can't have your own thoughts about this. You can't have your own worldview about this. You can't do this. You can't do it by yourself. Like they're telling you what you should do. They're ordering you. And then they're going to go, they did it here. They did it here. They did it here. They did it there. If we are not approached with humanity as people who have agency in this particular time right here, if the conversation is so difficult that we can't talk about it, that we just get ordered around, I'm telling you there's going to be a cultural divide, not just with black people, that's going to permeate for a couple of generations. Because right now there are a lot of people who are coming to all of this information for the first time. Yes. I'm scrolling through stories and my son, I love you, but, Brother, next time, a gentle trigger warning. I'm, I'm scrolling through stories this morning, right? And Mice has a story up. And maybe I needed to see it. I, I shed some tears this morning. And the story is, uh, 
it's of babies in Gaza. Mm. One baby had its face, it's a kid, uh, totally blown off. Like, I want to, like, cry now. And another one, when the doctor picked the kid up, the body broke apart. Mm. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, if you're telling me or or people that I know from my community that that makes sense, you at least, you at least have to have a conversation with them. If you're going to tell me that there's a reason why that's happening, you at least have to meet them in some type of emotional and intellectual way. You can't say, that's the world. This has to, you can't dictate that. People are seeing that and they're bringing their trauma and their emotions and the way they feel and the way they see the world into that. The same thing goes to October 7th. Obviously, all of this carnage and all of this death and all of this destruction that people see over there that they also are, are used to hearing about and seeing in their own neighborhoods, that they have this intimate emotional understanding of. They're trying to understand that now and do what we say. It's just not a good enough response. And I'm not saying that it has that that has that, that has been the response of the entire Jewish diaspora. It hasn't at all. Not even close. But there have been very prominent voices that are trying to tell people what to think and what to feel. And it comes across like supremacy. So I'm urging everyone. Michael Rappaport is not a very serious person. Like he's he's going to no, vote for Trump. because now he's talking about voting for Trump. Good for him. Good for him. His oh, whole we'll... platform. No, but you're right. You just have to talk about like it's. He's not. You cannot take him seriously. His whole platform has been about dogging Trump and calling him out for years. He calls him every other name. He points out all the negative stuff he's done and the anti-Semitic stuff that he's done. And now you want to vote for him because you don't think the Biden administration is doing enough to combat anti-Semitism. Like it's it's no, he's not a serious person. Michael Rappaport voting for Trump is the least shocking thing or saying that he likes Trump. is the least shocking. Well, I'm more so saying it because it's like you can't take (laughs) him seriously at all. And he is the extreme. But you get on your social media and there's a lot of people I follow that aren't far from Michael Rappaport. Oh, it's going to happen. Everything is going to be redefined by this. And what I'm saying is, guys. There's an opportunity here to really respect one another and to really respect and create an understanding about not just this issue, but about issues that have been um, that have existed in our communities for a long time. Last time before I go, I want to say that I talked to Rabbi Lamb. Right. I talked to I, I know. I know those people. No. I, How's he doing? I talked to Rabbi Lamb. Rabbi Lamb right now is on his way to Israel. Um yeah, he is. He said that we should talk when we get back. I talked to Rabbi Lamb a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of the single greatest conversations I've ever had before in my life. Do him and I agree on a whole bunch of things as it relates to this? No. But when we got off that phone, you know where we agreed? I wanted him safe and he wanted me safe. I believe and love that man. I do. I believe and love that man. I think he's a good man. And, he, and you guys might go to your stuff and see a whole bunch of things that he says that you don't agree with. And he might not agree with some of the stuff that I'm saying. But I know that the core of that person, the core of that guy is good. 
And if the core of him and the core of me can stay tethered, we can do good. That's what matters. Not all it is ratcheting it up in these, these culture wars in this time. I'm telling you, the path is darkening. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games... It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I want to talk about something here, man. Share, man. Share a real one. This, this one really. I was, I'm shocked you were so into this, but go ahead. She's a real one. Why? So reportedly, according to B. Scott, which is a source that I greatly trust, right? Share, 77 year old Share, is feuding with her sons over her plan to cut in A. E. Alexander A. E. Edwards into her fortune. All right, shares worth some $360 million. That's a lot of, I got you babes yeah. over the course of the years. I love, can you believe love the love? What's your favorite share joint? I like that one, but I'm trying to think. If I could turn back time. <gasps> That's a good one though. That's the one. That's a good one. That she had, you guys weren't around because it was the 80s. She had the whole fucking world up in arms, you know, Cher was a mature woman at that point, and she was on the uh, the 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 naval ship, so the battleship, and she had the onesie on. If I could turn back time, Johnny, you know that joint. If I could find my way, that is a joint. Cher had this renaissance in the eighties with that, with Moonstruck, with her was acting that career. Eighties? I thought it was later than that. No, I think I, if I could turn back time, I think that was the eighties. I think that was the mid eighties. If I could turn back time. If I, you're right, eighty nine, man. I thought that was like, maybe I just, I guess I heard it later in life. I thought yeah. that was the nineties. Nah, man. She, I mean, basically the nineties. No, but 89. I mean, like, close to two thousand. No, no, no. So, uh, she's in a relationship. She has been in a relationship with uh, A.E., who is, of course, uh, a former beau of Amber Rose. Mm-hmm. They might have been engaged. I can't remember. Uh, Amber was on here. She's Amber's a, a a good friend of mine, and so and they share a child together. They ha- they share a child together. Amber doesn't have the best things to say about AE, but you know they were in a relationship. AE was for a long time a music executive. I think he might still be. He started dating Cher like last year, or some sometime around there, and um, now he might be getting cut in on the fortune. Uh, a source told the National Enquirer, while some view Cher's gesture. As a heartfelt testament to her affection, others are concerned about the implications it might have on her existing family dynamics. Cher's fortune has become a focal point of passionate debate. Changing her will to leave her much younger boyfriend something is the best option. 
while the worst option would be if she marries him and gives him everything. But friends emphasize that the aging singing icon is deeply smitten and wants to ensure her partner's future security after she is no longer around. At the end of the day, it's her money and she's worked her butt off since she was a teenager. That that part. What do you think? I think it's like, first off, Cher is fine. She's is enjoying herself. She's got a younger man, a little tenderoni. She seems to be in great health, great spirits. I saw her do some interviews recently for something she was promoting. Cher knows exactly what she's doing. She's not about, yes, she has worked her butt off. She's been working for years. She's still relevant today. You think she's given a, a piece, a significant piece of her fortune to AE? No. And if she is? How do you know? And if she is, she's a grown woman and she is entitled to do with her money whatever she desires. I think she is fully aware of what she's doing. And right now, she wants to be with this man. He makes her happy. Good for Cher. A.E. earning this money. I'm so happy this is happening. You mean he's earning his money? He earning this money. First off, I don't believe that this is true. A.E. is earning this money. What does that mean? You know what it means. No, I want you to say it. You know what it means. Because I don't agree with you. You know what it means. I don't agree with you. Yeah. Drum. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And he is doing what he has to do to get this money. He's giving Cher a lot of inspiration, a lot of pleasure. Cher is still a very vibrant woman, right? But think about the things that he's introducing Cher to. What is he introducing her to? <laughs> yeah, you know. Cher's 77. She has been around. I'm sure she's been around. She's, but yeah. Like, she might not be around get, like this. He, know, might, she, he might be learning some things from Cher. All right. Well, he ain't trying to cut her in on his money. She's trying to cut him in on. Because he don't have 360. You don't know. He, he must have something. I love this. I love the fact. This, to me, is equality. This is true equality. Because a lot of times. Brothers, we don't get a chance to do it like this. We don't get a chance to find a woman in her older, more economically viable years. She got that cast and just put the dick on her so crazy that you end up with a couple million. We see it happen on the other side and it's okay. So he's a gold digger. Yeah, fucking right. What? Like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, he's definitely a gold digger. I would say that right now, I would say that right now, A.E., is not just a gold digger. He's a fucking legendary gold digger, and I'm here for it. This is Anna Nicole Smith shit. That's only if she's giving she gives him a piece of her fortune. Oh, it's gonna happen. I don't believe that. I think it's I gonna think happen. Cher's smart enough for that. Man, I, bro, I agree with you bro, about the gold digger thing, but like also I think Cher's getting exactly what she wants out of it. Bro, like y'all don't understand. This nigga from the Bay. So that's a different type of pimping. That's of the game. So he's pimping her. That's of the game. The so Bay is a different type of game. It's a different type of game. You can t- it's it's the game is everywhere, right? Detroit, Chicago, New York. But the Bay, it's a whole culture of knowing what you're doing up there, bro. He from the Bay. He it's already over. I think you're underestimating Cher. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he don't leave with her masters. The whole masters. And he gonna have Tiger remix, I got you, babe. Okay. And it's going to go to number one. I like that. Bro. 
But it's not like she's not getting anything. They're having so I much fun. I know she's getting stuff out of it, but I think you're underestimating Cher. How am I underestimating Cher? Because you're making it seem like he's a gold digger and he's going to get her money and she's going to allow it to happen. Look, you don't last this long in this business as a fool. You just don't. I'm, first of all, that doesn't make her a fool. Well, if she allows, if she takes, if he takes half her money, it makes her a fool. I don't know if it's, how much money, you tell me, how much money is the dick worth? Is there a such thing as a $100 million dick? Wait, in what way? What do you mean? Like, you that didn't I'm going to no. give. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. No, Donnie. I'm thinking of it the wrong way. Donnie, no, no, no. Did you hear that? That I'm going to get, like, if I had the money, I'm going to give somebody is there $100 su- million? Is there such thing as dick? Where it's so good, I'm going to give him $100, $100 million. million. No. Not even if you had 360 No. It doesn't get that good. No. That's, that's a third. That's a third of the money. A little un, no. That's a difference. That's a difference. That's a that's maybe a mill. A, a, a mill. Nah, it's it's definitely some hundred million dollar vagina walking around here for sure. For, it's definitely true. I'll, See, that's the difference, man. See, that's that's what we should be talking. We should be talking about the differences, and and I don't think Cher agrees with you. I think Cher has found a new lease on life. I do too. And I think she's having a great time. I do too. And. Though I say he's a gold digger because I just I have to keep the same energy. You can't tell me that Anna Nicole Smith looked at this guy and was like, "Damn, that's what I'm into." You know? No, she was a gold digger. Yeah, and I'm saying yes, he may be. I'm just saying she's. I don't think she's gonna give him that. If that's what if that's his end goal, I don't think he's going to get that. Hey, E, you, bro, you the. Is is about you right now. Everything. You changing the game. I'm not hating. I'm not hating at all. Time for an apology rating. Krista Thompson. Uh Krista Thompson basically said that she lies on sideline reports. A lot of bad sports news going on right now. Colorado can't get it together. They're done. <laughs> I mean, they're not. They're not gonna make a bowl game. The like it's I mean, I think Dion would say the same thing. Let's just re- <laughs> let's just count our losses because there have been quite a few in a row, and let's just pick up and focus on the next season. I mean, they're losing recruits; like people are decommitting. That was it's, very dismissive. The way you see that they're done. They are. They're There's done. nothing left to do here. Are celebrities still going to the games? Are they still know. on the sidelines? Maybe they're not. Maybe people have, they have hopped on that off that bandwagon as quickly as they hopped on. The Washington State loss was tough. Was was tough. Was yes, and they're not even a good team. Yeah. So sorry. like, it's they've lost what seven games in a row. It's a lot. They haven't lost seven in a row. I think they. Hold on, I wrote it down. They are four and seven. So I think that they've lost four in a row. They've lost row? seven over their last eight games. <sighs> Yeah, that's tough. That's tough, man. That's tough. But they've won more games. They've won more games. Yeah, because they were what one and one. one? Yeah, yeah, one game. So listen, I'm not saying that they that they can't be that program. I'm just saying right now the season's done. It's a loss. Shador's hurt. Like they need more talent on the team. They need more depth on the team as well. And so, listen, they're easy to pick on because of the way that they came into the season. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, let's count our losses. You're not going to a bowl game. Let's regroup. Let's work on, you know, like getting some better players for the team. Like I said, players are decommitting. So let's hope that they get, I think they said like now 10 or only 10 are coming. Look, 
They, they have, have to start over. It's completely obliterated the team before and started over. Yeah, but he's got to work the transfer portal. He's got to try to get a couple of recruits. He's got to win a couple of recruiting battles. He's got, here's the thing. Here's a challenge for Colorado real quick. The challenge for Colorado is if you, if you need to build an offensive line, um, it's very difficult to do that in the transfer portal because transfer portal offensive linemen are normally not that great. And also that's a unit that needs a lot of chemistry. So even if you were to bring in a whole bunch of guys, it would take them a couple of games to understand what they're passing off, all the different schemes and stuff that they're blocking, whatever. Um, and if he's going to recruiting to get linemen in, besides guys like Will Campbell, Emory Jones, who are down there at LSU, anchoring the, one of the best lines, Zalance Hurd, guys like that, it's very difficult that true freshmen, uh, it's very rare that true freshman offensive linemen come into to a program and like change the program, right? So Dion's got an uphill battle. Yes, he does. Do you... Which I think he recognizes. Are you counting him out? Do you think Colorado no. will fail? I think, well, they failed this season. You think Colorado failed this season? Well, as far, if we're talking about winning records and just like, listen, they've had some injuries, but I think the way they, after the way they won, not even the way they came into the season, it was the winning of the TCU game and on. Yeah, I think this season failed in a lot of different ways. Like, especially the Washington State game, it exposed them. Like, there seems to be like a lack of understanding of the rules, that quarterback situation. He threw it up twice. The, I'll say this. And, okay, okay, shut up. Okay, okay, shut up. All right, like, look. This is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. I think, I think, I think people aren't looking at the totality of it. And there's a part of it that they're not looking at. All the moving parts for Colorado to get better, there's one that they don't talk about, and that's Dion himself. Dion is still learning the ropes of coaching, particularly at that level. So not only will Colorado come back at some point and be a better team with different personnel, but he'll be a better coach. And I got to say, they got to coach better. They, they, they got to coach better. He's made some mistakes, not just in terms of on the field coaching, but he's made some mistakes in some of the things that he said during press conferences about his own team. All of those things they'll learn. And as they continue to learn, as he continues to learn, and as the, the the program continues to learn itself and build its identity, I think that they'll they'll be in a better spot. Uh but it's a lot of people rooting for for the Buffaloes to fail. I, and I think that's kind of a thing that gets on me a little bit. Yes, and I agree with you. This season, I'm saying is done. I'm rooting for them the next season. And I do think that something like this needed to happen. I think the worst thing that could have happened for them was to win out. I think that it's a rebuilding year. They started over. They completely started over with a new team. There was so much to be done. They did better, but I think that they can, I'm, I absolutely think they can be better. And I do think that a lot, even though players are decommitting, I do think a lot of players will want to come because of the benefits of playing for somebody like Deion Sanders. And the NIL money you might be able to get in no, no, terms of— for sure the NIL. That's yeah. part of the benefits I'm referring like to. Lashador is making like a shit ton of money. Yeah, he's like top three. Yeah, he's right so up there with Bronny. The, the, the NIL money and all of that stuff. And Deion could be a conduit to that. But I'll tell you this. For sure. Other teams in the Pac-12 and other teams in every conference, their way to stop the momentum of what they're doing is to beat the dog shit out of them. Colorado's games are so prominently featured now, and everybody watches them— 
So there's no such thing as a quiet 56-14 loss. It was Friday night. Everybody saw it. Everybody's watching Colorado, and that's a double-edged sword for them. Do you think next year that they'll be so prominently displayed? Yes. The games will be. Fridays, though. So it's going to be every team's Super Bowl, and they're going to want to beat your brains in so that the momentum that you need uh, is not going to be able to be maintained or sustained. All right, cool. Uh, Last thing, Clarissa Thompson uh, who's a Fox and Amazon Prime sideline reporter, said that she made up sideline reports uh, over there on, uh, pardon my take, shout out to to, to my guys, are PFT and guys? Big Cat. Yeah, I know. I know them. Big Cat is a great guy. Uh, audio. I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late. And I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up because Mm -hmm. first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop. Uh, hurting ourselves. We needed to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball Pressure over. The quarterback. We need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like they're not going to correct me on that. Right. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll it, just make up the report. Okay. People came out and were like, "Why the fuck did you tell us this? Why are you lying on the sidelines?" So a lot of people were very upset about this. Yeah, I mean, her. Let me just be honest. I'm friendly with Carissa. Jesus Christ. <laughs> But before you even say this, let's go to the apology. Go to the apology. Jesus, can we get some kind of Well, she wrote it. She didn't say it. Okay, so this is her apology. When on the podcast this week, I said I would make make up my reports early in my career when I worked as a sideline reporter before I transitioned to my current host world. Working in the media, I understand how important words are, and I chose the wrong words to describe the situation. I'm sorry. I've never lied about anything or been unethical during my time as a sports broadcaster. In the absence of coach of a coach providing any information that could further my report, I would use information that I learned and saw during the first half to create my report. For example, if a team was down, if a team was 0 for 7 on third down, that would clearly be an area they need to improve on in the second half. In these instances, I never attributed anything said to a player or a coach. I have nothing but respect for the sideline reporters and the tireless work they put in behind the scenes, blah, 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 blah. I'm humbled, um, all that stuff. Well, like she contradicts herself, right? So she says that she would make up reports because she couldn't get the coach to talk or whatever information. So you made it up. That would be a lie. That would be something that is not true. So you can't say you didn't lie if you made it up. That's where I get a little confused. I mean, I do believe that she respects sideline reporters. I do believe she understands that her words were really it is it's tough for women in the field of sports already. And it takes a lot to gain respect. So when you're saying you're doing this, it gives it gives you know, it opens the door for people to harp on sideline reporters, particularly those that are women, and discredit them as legitimate reporters. So that's a problem with that, too. A lot of times people think only pretty women are allowed on the field because they don't have the football knowledge. And when you say something like this, it gives, you know, like, it makes that seem more true. Um, So I don't understand. She's wrong in this. It's an apology, but it's not an apology. I think when she says, I understand what... um, She's working in the media. I understand how important words are, and I chose wrong words to describe the situation. She's right, but I still don't understand why she's saying she never lied about anything. If you made it up, it's a lie. You might have been describing something that was true in regards to the game, but if the coach didn't tell you that they needed to improve on that, 
then what were you reporting on? Were you reporting on your observation or were you saying, I talked to the coach? Because her statement to the part of my date guys makes it seem like she would say, the coach said this because I don't think, I think we cut that part out. She goes on to say, no coach would ever say that I was wrong for saying that. Right. So that means you were attributing that observation to a coach. That's a lie. So, you know, and I saw Jamel Hill and, and Carrie Champion, shout out to them, on Abby Phillips' show, shout out to her too. And they had really great takes as well. They both are friendly with Carissa too. They've worked with her in the past. And I think they summed it up best when they said, it's the way you said it and the entitlement behind it that makes it even more wrong. You said you wouldn't get fired from it because you've said it before and you already haven't been fired. In fact, you've been promoted. You're in studio now, which... A lot of a lot of sideline reporters want to be in studio. You were rewarded for it. Not everybody is afforded that same privilege. And that's the other thing. That's the other side of it as well. So if I'm going to rate this apology, I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> okay. At least I'm keep the same energy no, and I'm friendly with energy. her. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, we, we, need to, we need to, somebody needs to keep a, a tally of these apologies because you're, you're, you're. I thought I did well with the two. You did. You did. All right, uh, before we get out of here, I want to say shout out to Anthony, man. Anthony is a guy, last night, during the Lakers game, Monday night, he was uh, shooting the half-court shot. And Donnie, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see this? I saw it. I did. It's, It's sad and hilarious. Loved it. Okay, Donnie, you know, (laughs) this is the thing. I don't know if everybody saw this, but there's a half-court shot that goes on. Uh, You win $50,000. And this guy named Anthony, this is not funny. I was laughing so hard. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) This is not funny, man. Come on, man. Get it together. Come on, bro. This guy named Anthony, he shoots the half-court shot. Okay, he misses, and he almost immediately pops his Achilles. It's not funny. It's a serious injury. But if you watch the way it happened, I was last night, I was, God, Jesus saved my soul, please. (laughs) Last night, I was, I swear to God. Trying to be a good person. I was trying not to laugh at this situation. Y'all, this is not funny. Popping your Achilles is so serious. I'm wishing Anthony a speedy recovery. <laughs> it's the reaction to when how he did it. It's not that off. he, he did it. it it's off. the full, it's the way he, he stumbled. Bro, oh. This nigga knew he had popped his Achilles and he tried to get up. And like, act like it was a cramp. And you see that you see everybody from the Lakers going, "Oh shit, this is because they're scared injury. of a lawsuit." That's what they're scared of, Bruh, Anthony had the wrong shoes on, Bruh, Look, that's not funny. He didn't even exert that much energy. I don't know how he popped that shot. What how you he mean? We old. Oof. Like okay, we, Tani. We, what mic. you mean? We old. We old. I relate to him. I. <laughs> turn it off, bro. It's really not funny. It's, it's, it's actually look at them laughing at the control. It's really not funny. Like he he hurt himself. It's yeah. a very serious. It's I'm obviously sure, an surely, Achilles. Surely they'll cover the surgery. 
cost. The Lakers, I'm calling on the Lakers yeah. right now. Cover the cost. Cover the cost of this surgery. As Pay fact, the copay, something. Dr. Clapper should do this surgery. Dr. Clapper from the Lakers should do this surgery for, for Anthony, man. Anthony Achilles. <laughs> I want to, so we got to make sure that Anthony doesn't have to pay for this himself. <laughs> That's so funny. At least give him the money. The money <laughs> and that could pay for the surgery. And look, it's like so many people, it was like. Don't read Twitter comments. Was, Are you about to read the comments? It's like, that looks like an Achilles tear for somebody <laughs> named Anthony at the Lakers game. It's just funny, bro. The court had to claim Anthony. This It's just. <laughs> we gotta go. Is it the players run over? Take, we no, gotta the go. Play, they run over the court. It's just funny. Take the caps off. But do not stop <laughs> I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.